0: Uh, I'm Mike Sag from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Um, Welcome to day two of the clinical conference. Yesterday went pretty well, don't you think? Yeah? Good. Hopefully today will go equally well, if not better. Um, I'm co-chairing, very pleased and honored to co-chair this with Dr. Laura Cheever and Dr. Polly Ross. We also um, have had a lot of input on the program planning committee, from Dr. Diana Pulo and Susan Richardson, and they have been exceptional in their input. And when we talk about filling out, um, when we talk about filling out evaluation forms, we really, really pay close attention to those. So put detail on there, give us your scores, but also ideas for next year's meeting. We really take that to heart. That's really important as, as you go through. Um, Just a couple of housekeeping notes from yesterday. Obviously, if you can, keep your uh, cell phones, et cetera, on stun so that uh, ringing isn't going on. If you find you have to take a call, please take it outside the meeting room. Um, And for CME credits, um, Category 1 for physician providers. For nurses, we're very, very pleased to have CTEC. Uh, from Atlanta helping us with this. It's um, A lot of the ISUSA meetings historically have been uh, having their nursing credits provided by CTEC because of funding issues that's been more difficult uh, over the last year or so, but this meeting uh, still has the nursing credits and we're very pleased uh, that they're here and helping us with that um, and, and that's a real contribution in a big, big way for us. Um, ARS touch pads are at your seat. Please leave them on the table when you leave. Try not to take them with you. Um, and I've mentioned already the evaluation forms. Yesterday we talked about the clinical guide. Um, those will be, we can mail those to you. Um, if you can complete the forms and fill them out, we'll try to get those sent out to you. So just let them know at the outside front desk if you're interested in getting one of the new clinical guides that you heard about. Yesterday. So we have a few demographic slides we'll go through. So use all right. In addition to HIV infected patients, do you routinely see patients who are not HIV infected? Routinely. Go ahead and vote. Okay, so most of us... Well, it's about... It's half and half by numbers, but it looks out of skew. It sort of looks like voting in uh, Alabama. Um, uh, Let's go to the next question. Do you routinely encourage antiretroviral therapy initiation based on risk of transmission? That is, if all things... We're going to go into this later in the panel today, but if you... Uh, have someone with a high CD4 count, you know they're in a discordant relationship, would that be a reason enough to encourage that patient uh, to start therapy for the primary purpose of not only to help the health of the patient, but to prevent transmission to the zero discordant partner? Uh, Go ahead and vote. Well, that's interesting. 70% nowadays would say yes. I bet if we did that last year, it'd likely be reversed. Um, let's see if we have another question here. <clears throat> Do you routinely ascertain the HIV status through history taking or testing of the HIV-infected patient's routine partners? Do you have a new patient? Do you normally ask that question? Go ahead and vote. do that. That makes sense to me. Uh, And let's see. We have, I think, next. All right, that's it. So um, thank you for um, helping us with that. We're going to go ahead and start.